everybody, welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. Bike911.com. If you need Alex Asante, you're a motorcycle rider, you have contracts coming up, maybe you're a racer, you need someone to look over your stuff, don't uh, you know? Don't leave yourself vulnerable. Go reach out to Alex Asante, Bike911.com. He'll handle you. It's been a couple of weeks, Jason Pridmore. It has. Yeah, a lot to talk about, but let's catch up just a smidge. How you been yeah. the last couple of weeks? Sorry, yeah. everybody. I was I was out of the country and it got a little difficult. So, well, yeah, you were out of the country a couple of times. You were sick for a little bit. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's crazy because you. Uh, I was getting so many. I got. A, I got probably when I say so many. I don't know. I probably got ten people asking, like, "Are we not doing the podcast anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> I think quit. No, because do you remember last year we had a couple people write to us that said that they had long drives over Thanksgiving and this and that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And they were just a couple catch up with some podcasts. So, yeah, no, it was just uh it was just a circumstantial thing. G Dub was on the road out of the country, and uh, I spent like two weeks at Chukwala during that whole time too, getting ready to do that again next week. I leave next uh, leave next Wednesday for that. Mm-hmm. And um, just get. Am I going to have to laminate you a checklist? So you know, you you, you get a nice checklist lamination. No, no, no so I got you. Sorted microphone, this time. headphones. Got you all. sorted this time. Okay. I got it sorted. I'll get it sorted. Okay. Um, yeah, just a little bit, a little bit crazy there for a couple of weeks for us, anyhow. And um, you know, the racing's been really fun to watch. You and I haven't really talked about any of it, which is going to make the podcast interesting. Uh, a lot of things going on, um, but but. Yeah, just I'm getting ready to get the getting ready to get my 2024 schedule out, Greg, for JP43 training. So well, you better uh, you better leave a slot open, Jay, because you're committed. You know, we gotta. I know I gotta the, get the somebody... MotoGP fantasy yes. is over. We have a yes. we have a bit of a controversy though. We gotta oh, we talk about we're gonna talk about that, huh. and uh, you know, plus you know, along with the winners, the you know number one spot, which is our problem right now, and we'll talk about it more with fantasy. But right. our number one spot, of course, gets an Arai helmet and a set of Dunlop Q5s, the tire they launched, you know, not even a year ago. Nice. Second place gets Q5s. Third place gets Q5Ss. And then we still haven't talked about this, but I got a kind of an idea of what's going to happen. You're going to pick somebody randomly. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be, you know, th- th- it's not an all expense paid trip as far as I know. It's like you got to you got to get yourself to Chuck Walla. But you have a bike for them to ride in gear and or they have like, you know, what do you think? the? Yeah, we got that's what I got to work through. The biggest problem for me is not having a bike. So my deal with Kawasaki is pretty strict. Mm. So it's not like I can just lend somebody a Kawasaki. So there are a couple of details that we got to get worked out with that because I want to make this good for somebody for them to be able to come out. Or if they're on the East Coast, they don't think they can make it out. If they have a friend on the West Coast, I don't mind doing something that way either. Um, you know, they could trade it across or, you know, do something for their friends or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but yeah, there are some details that we got to get worked out. The GW and I have not worked out. I'm eager to do it though. I'm eager to get somebody out here and especially somebody who's been a part of our, uh, our fantasy league, uh, especially for the year. I think it's, uh, you know, pretty fun, pretty fun this year doing that deal and, uh, just the names and things like that. Keep it entertaining. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure some of that out. I'm interested to know what this controversy is. So we'll get to that, I guess, in a little bit. <laughs> and, um, yeah, other than that, man, it's, 
What I mean, how was your Thanksgiving? You you flew home on Thanksgiving, didn't you? I flew home on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the flight was delayed. Um, we were supposed to leave Santiago at like eleven thirty at night, and then get to Atlanta at like six. Then I had a flight that would have put me back home at ten o'clock in the morning. But everything got delayed to like one fifteen in the morning, leaving there and blah blah blah. But Ugh. everything was pretty much once we were there, everything was kind of clockworky. So I ended up getting home at noon and then went to you know went to dinner at uh, some uh, friend's house and yeah had, had it was pretty chill. I nice. was tired though. Yeah, but here's the thing, Jay. I spent another two hundred thousand miles. No, you didn't. Yeah, oh I upgraded again. Two hundred thousand miles. It's crazy. Two hundred ten thousand. But wait. The flight's it was the flight nine hours, you said? It was nine hours and That's all right. I had worked all day. That was the last day of the Para Pan American games. Yeah. So I was up at I was up at five thirty in the morning. We worked and then I didn't have a chance to nap or anything. You know, ended up with the flight delay, blah, blah, blah. And I was just kind of in the situation where I was like, you know what? Let me just, just I mean how do it. To, yeah, I mean, I spent so I spent four hundred and something thousand miles on two one-way flights upgrading <laughs> for this trip. But in the end, you know, look, I'm kind of a miser when it comes to my miles. I mean, I still have almost 800,000 miles in the bank. Yeah, so you're styling. You're styling. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. It was just one of those things where, you know, like I've literally been traveling for 30 plus years and yeah. barely ever spend any miles. So it was like, uh, it was like prying mozzarella sticks out of my hand, you know, good luck. Which would never happen. Or donuts. Whatever. You get our house, you get our house in Atlanta rented. Mm, no, I did not. I have it open in a tab, and I keep forgetting. So mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll handle that business. Yeah, tab into that. What are we talking about this podcast? Let's go. Well, well let, let's start things <laughs> off with the news presented by Arise. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to okay. do a little bit of a read here. Then we're going to talk about news because helmets made by the dedicated hands of those that work at Arise have shown examples of supreme protection for decades. The numerous improvements by their experienced hands and personal desire to further the protection of riders' heads are among the many unique reasons Arai Helmets performs the way they do. From our very first helmet to those we make today, rider protection remains our first priority, and we at Arai shall never forget the value of what we have been seeking to protect is priceless. In other words, they're, they're seeking to protect your life, people, your head, mm. your noodle. Follow me. Um, yeah, and it's Christmas time, so go to your local Arai dealer. Go on the website, AraiAmericas.com. Check out what they have. It's time to treat yourself because the holiday season is among us, okay? It's time to convince your loved one to get you a new helmet for for this holiday season, whatever you celebrate. All right. Whoops. Hold on. There we go. There's the music out. All right. So old news, Jay. Let's get to it. Ray Hall Ducati Moto has announced its rider lineup for 2024. They'll be racing in Super Sport on the Ducati V2. And it'll be PJ Jacobson and Kayla Yakov on those bikes. What are your thoughts about PJ going back to, you know, going back to super sport from super bike and Kayla getting a full-time gig? It's great. Supersport. I mean, I think it's good. I can't, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. It seems like that happened two months ago, doesn't it? Yeah. It like does. we miss a couple of weeks and no, it's good. I, it's, it's, uh, it sounds like it sounds to me, I saw a bunch of stuff and I've heard a few things that, Sounds like JD might do the Titlers thing if they do a second rider. And so I don't know if PJ didn't want to stick around and wait for that to see if it was coming back to him. Obviously, don't know all the inner politics of any of that stuff because PJ won a superbike race last year. He, he kind of is a superbike rider, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, so for him to take a step back, 
tells me two things. Uh, he, he's obviously getting on a bike and a team that he feels he can win on uh, with right away, which is great. And for Kayla, it's a great step. I mean, look, she I thought she did really well. She jumped on that Kawasaki with, what, like two rounds to go? And didn't she put on the podium at Jersey? So I think, you know, when you start looking at what Kayla's doing, um, I think it's going to be a great move for her. Uh, I think she was already testing at Jennings, wasn't she? So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm I'm excited about the team. Yeah, me too. It, yeah, for I'll, sure. The interesting bit, though, is that the press releases about this whole thing are still very car-like type. Meaning, oh, um, so basically in auto racing, what you do is you have the name of the team. You know, in this case, Ray Hall Ducati Moto. Uh-huh. And then they name the car because of the sponsor, right? Because normally on a, on a, like a team, you might have two cars, three cars, four cars, right. but they all have different sponsors. Okay. And that's yep. not the way we do it in racing. The way we do it in racing is, is that generally you have a team sponsor and then you have one, two, three, four. I mean, how many bikes does the Vision Wheel M4X Star Suzuki team have? So, so like as a commentator, we're going to have to kind of clear that up with them because there's two distinctions we, and we don't call it like we call auto racing. You know, where mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, it's the, you know, whatever, the Ray Hall car, but it's the Cheetos Ford. Right. That's kind of the way they're like, oh, it's the, I can't remember the name of their title sponsor now, Expel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Expel Ducati V2s. And it's like, no, you got to pick, you got to pick one or the other, you know, because that's a okay. slippery slope to go down okay. where it's like, I'm not, I'm not calling team names and bike sponsors you know what I mean? Like that would be everybody but their own team is going to be redundant. I'm not going to say it's the Vision Wheel M4X Star Suzuki team riding the Vision Wheel M4X Star Suzuki bike. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm gonna let you deal with that. That's above my pay grade. Anyway, so that's Moto America news. Uh, let's get right into some MotoGP stuff, Jay, because there was some big news across the board just as the season ended. One of the biggest is going to be concessions. So concessions are back. If you're not uh, like aware of what concessions were, basically when you had Wahoo you had Aprilia, you had KTM, you had That's Suzuki, right. Suzuki. They were, yeah. right? Like there were there were a bunch of manufacturers that were kind of on their back foot a number of years ago in kind of the late teens, right? I want to say mm-hmm. 15, right. 16, 17, somewhere. And so they basically allowed them concessions because they're they're very strict restrictions on testing on engine allocation on engine development now to try to keep costs down so basically what you see is honda and yamaha absolutely suck so basically (laughs) there's whole idea of getting concessions to back you know come back and they're back yeah however jay it's kind of a complicated situation okay it is really complicated because i kind of tried to read into it a little bit and then i heard them talking about it and wow there's a lot of things it's like four different levels of it it's four different levels and two different requirements so basically the first window is from the first event to the last event of the season that's one window and then the second window is from the first event after the summer test ban so there's like a month off that everybody has to be off in the middle of the summer until the last event before the summer test ban of the following season. Mm -hmm. Okay. So basically just a year at a time, more or less. And it has to do with the percentage of points that you score and then what you get. So if Peko Bagnaya has as many points as he has, let's just say Jake Gagne, for instance, right? 
in Moto America had like 400 points this year. The next closest rider was Josh Heron, who didn't even have 300 points. It was like 260 points. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he, let's say he had 60% of the points that Gagne has. Mm-hmm. He would be ranked number B. So there's A, yeah. which is under 85% of the points. There's B, C, and D. That's right. Okay. So for instance, let's just take A for instance. You get 170 test tires if you're 85, like 85% or closer. You get private testing for your test riders only. And you get three circuits and then you get like a certain amount of wild cards. Okay. Like no wild cards for that one. You get seven or eight engines. Your engines are frozen and you get one arrow update. When you go to B, which is 60 to 85%, you're going to increase your tires by 20. Still test rider only, still three circuits, but you get three wild card rides. So for instance, Yamaha, I think is going to fall into that category. And so, like, Cal Crutchlow is saying that he's probably going to get those three wild card rides. Mm-hmm. You still get seven or eight engines. Your engine development's still frozen. You still get one arrow. All right. When you get to level C, which is basically 60% to 35% of the points, you now go to 220 tires. So, A is 170. B is 190. Now, you get 220 test tires. Test rider only. Three circuits, right? All the same. But you get six wild cards with an asterisk, which means wild card not subject to engine specification freezing. So that what that means, Jay, is that like let's say that for some reason, you know, they're going to calculate this and, and see who's who's where in mm-hmm. in the order, right? right. Honda has got to be way. I mean, Marquez probably blew the curve for them by coming back, but Honda's probably way down there. So that means that if they have a new engine that they want to test in race, they could do it. Well, they- not just that, but those guys are also, the way I read it was, and I thought Yamaha fit into this billing as well. I think Gas Gas, well, basically they were saying that, that riders, like they, they could take their test riders and their contracted riders, whoever's riding, and they can actually go test at six different tracks. Okay, not so that's, three, that's right? level, that D. level D. That's yeah. level D. It's under yeah. 35% of the highest points scored. You get 260 test tire so that's, that's right. 90 more than you get at level a right your private testing is free so it's not just test rider only you can <clears> test at <throat> any moto gp circuit that's right you get six wild card entries and you get nine to ten engine allocated and right. your your engine spec is free so during the course of the year you know you can you 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 can update your engine anytime you want for race purposes it's interesting. The whole thing is the balance there of what they're trying to do. So essentially, we're not going to see Michael Pirro as a test rider. Like Batista would never be able to do what he did before. When you see the way that they've outlined it right now, Ducati, for argument's sake, is the one that takes the brunt of everything because they've been so dominant. Um, mm-hmm. And so all the other guys get the concessions, like you said, because they were talking about how, you know, Paul Spargo is probably going to get six. He's probably going to get six rides on the gas gas spike um, and because of where they are going to fall into this. All right. So, so here's the ranking, Jay. Yeah. A ranking is Ducati. Yeah. They get 170 tires, test rider only, right. three circuits, seven, eight engines. It's frozen. No one is in B. That's right. Okay. The C level is KTM and Aprilia. That's the 35% right. to 60%. So that's 220 test rider only, three circuits, six wild cards. Right. Still seven, eight engines, still frozen. 
So it is Honda and Yamaha that fall in the D category, which that's is under right. 35%. Yeah, that's what I saw. I saw that, mm-hmm. Greg, and I was like, well, so that means like a guy like, that means like all these new guys on Hondas. So, you know, you got Marini and Zarco, and then of course you still have Mir and Nakagami. And then you have the Yamahas of Rins, which is going to be great for him. They they legitimately could go test at six different Grand Prix tracks if they if they want, and you know they're 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 they at the low level. Anything of the they go yeah, test, they can do anything they want. Anything so. they want. Now now I will say this, Jay, having known Freddie Spencer for the years that I worked with him and stuff, when we mm-hmm. talked about you know MotoGP back in the day, and and you know Freddie Spencer is like the only person in the modern era who won the Grand Prix title and a 250 title in the same year. And when I asked him how exhausting that was, because he was blown out, you know, I mean, I think about sprint races now with these guys mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's, it's not the same exactly. Cause you have, t- you know, two different bikes and two complete race distances. But Freddie told me that honestly, the worst part about being a Grand Prix racer back then was the amount of testing that you had to do. Oh. And, and specifically though, it was tire testing for him. So oh, he said, brutal. dude, every other, every weekend I was off, I was in France at the test yeah. track, testing, with, testing, testing. That's what Colin used to do though. Mm. I remember, I remember being with Colin in Texas and he got a phone call or I was going to Texas or something. And I remember he got a phone call and he's like, Jay, I just got a call from Michelin. I got to go. And he was on a flight the next morning, went over there, rode for like a day, maybe two, and then turned around and flew straight home. So I know he was kind of their super bike guy as far as testing yeah. goes. But the, the, the hours of testing are the grueling part. Like, so when you see a guy like Marini sign on with Honda right now, um, look, it's all a job. Don't get me wrong. But when you're sitting on a Ducati seat right now, you're loving life because you've got a great bike and good teams. And, you know, what Ducati's done there has been incredible, really, when you think about it on the MotoGP side of it. They've got, didn't they have, didn't they have five different riders win this year? Or uh, six, seven? Six, six of eight. Six of eight, I think. Six. Who's the only one that didn't? I thought Marini was the only one that didn't win. Because Zarco won, Bedzeki won, Digio won. I think seven of eight. Okay, won. seven of eight. But it's pretty impressive, right? I mean, no, no, Bash- no. But Bedzeki, all right. Um, Bastianini um, won. Bastianini won. He, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did win. That's yeah. the pain. Yeah. So, which I, which we'll talk about. It, it's so when you think about what Ducati's done, it's been a pretty incredible deal. And I would think that Dorna. MotoGP bosses would love nothing more than to see these other manufacturers go down that same step of being able to get competitive equipment. And look, the championship is healthy right now. When you look at it, it it seems really, really healthy. And the thing that's great about it too, Greg, is you have so much diversity with people that are winning manufacturers up front. I think, I believe they said on TV, there was a stat um, or was testing yesterday, they said 15 different riders made the podium this year. Hmm. I mean, 15 out of 21 riders or 22 riders, whatever it is, it's a pretty impressive number. We didn't have any back-to-back Grand Prix winners from Sunday to Sunday, okay? I know that I think somebody won the – I think Martin won the sprint and the and the Grand Prix on the same weekends. But, like, on the Sundays, we never had a repeat winner, and I don't think that's been done in – I since forget 19, how long. Since 1949. That's insane. That mm-hmm. is insane. So when you look at it – where MotoGP is right now, I kind of like the way they handled these concessions. It's a little bit different than it seems like what World Superbike does. Um, having like different tiers almost would kind of make it to where if you looked at it in World Superbike right now, obviously you'd have Ducati leading the way there. Yamaha would be like the B of that maybe, like the of the ABCD. And then of course you'd have manufacturers like uh, 
Honda and Cowie and BMW, you know, kind of filling in those C and D areas of, of testing. But where I was going with this is that a guy like Marini, Mir, Zarco, those guys, <laughs> they're, they're earning their money this year because that testing, testing Greg is almost more mentally without question, more mentally fatiguing than racing itself. So um, I could understand what Freddie meant when he said that to you. Hmm. Yeah. By the way, the points are based off of constructor points, not mm-hmm. based on rider points. Yeah. But that makes sense too. Cause you only got two Yamahas, don't you? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, and, I, I think, I think the thing is like Honda saw this coming and I think that's why you go out and get, get Joanne Zarco because Joanne Zarco has been the racing donkey for Ducati for years. Yeah. He's the one who got the parts. He's the one who was testing on the bike. He's the one who had parts that didn't work and suffered, you know, some results because of it. And I think that Johan Zarco has kind of put himself mentally in that position where he is like an in-race tester. Uh-huh. Part of the reason why I think he's not going to HRC. I think that you have got to rest your HRC riders and not out not you know like ridiculously test them and you leave all the donkey work to Brottle and to Johan Zarco. And those are the guys that are going to be doing that, you know, more testing than anyone else. Right. And I think right. that that's kind of an important part. I know that, you know, Pecco, when he got a couple parts, if you remember, I think it was the beginning of this season when he was just like, I'm not a tester. You know what I mean? And you're just like, Correct. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, I thought that was part of the A rider's responsibility, but so that, that's the situation. And if you look at like the amount of test riders that KTM has in the mix, and I know that like Mika Calio is no longer really the tester anymore. He's more the rider coach, but you know, he's been around a long time and you have Salvador on the Aprilia side. So and Pedrosa didn't ride in the test, which I thought was interesting because I thought he might have ridden. But, but, um, but Pedro, I thought Pedrosa, that was, that, that was, there were, there was a test a couple days before. Was there? At Jerez because Johnny Ray posted a video yesterday of his second test on the Yamaha. Mm-hmm. And it was like basically them and I thought KTM was there. Honda definitely was there. MotoGP program testing yes. at the same time. And um, I think the Yamaha MotoGP, one of the Japanese was guys Crutchlow was there. or something? It wasn't Crutchlow. It was a Japanese guy. Yeah, I can't remember. He, he mentioned yeah. it. He mentioned mm-hmm. it. And I know that it was only a couple days ago. So, okay. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to keep track of the test teams on top of what we're doing. But anyway, that's one topic. The one topic is concessions. It's a big yeah. deal. And the reason it's a big deal is because you got to understand folks that MotoGP does lead the way in a lot of categories. So yeah. if this concession works and if this makes sense, then who's to say next year or a couple years later that that doesn't get adopted you know, by a world superbike or something. So uh, all eyes are on GP all the time. Looking yeah, at that. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I like, other, I, I like how oh. they, stru- I, I, sorry. I, I do like how they structured that. Though. Me too. And you know, interesting I, I, for you know sure. talking about it out loud instead of just reading a press release helps me really to understand what they're saying. So yeah. Yeah. Um, not shocking. The crypto data, the crypto data MotoGP team for 2024 uh, the FIM, Erda and Dorna all pulled basically their, their, ability to have a team okay okay yeah. so raslan rosley or whatever his name is he's no longer a part of the program they pulled the deal and they basically said jay repeated infractions and breaches of the participation agreement affected the public image of moto gp they have basically created this decision um however 
there are news reports out there that there's an American company that is looking to purchase the team. The team tested. They were at the test. Everybody mm-hmm. expects that the riders are going to stay the same, that the bikes are going to – everything stays the same in the team. They're just going to have new new ownership, basically. Okay. Yep. It's a bigger deal than people think because we've talked about these 22 slots that are available and that people currently use, but there's total 24 slots. And I still don't know where those other two slots that were owned by Suzuki have gone. Mm-hmm. MotoGP, Dorna, they can, uh, the FIM, Erda, they all control those 24 grid spots and that's all that's available. So it's, it's, it's coveted and hotly contested. And I don't know, was there something on Road Racing World? Somebody said that there was an article about it on Road Racing it's, World. Somewhere. It's pretty gnarly because you, you got to feel like, feel like obviously bills aren't getting paid and it's a tough spot. And, you know, you see, uh, but, you know, you see somebody else be able to come in and take over. I think it shows, a little bit of the strength of what MotoGP is at right now. I know Oliveira wasn't testing yesterday due to injury, but Fernandez was still there. So if that team can just kind of keep functioning uh, in the sense of operating to keep the riders happy and mechanics and crew chiefs employed, that's that's nice that they're able to do that. That we didn't, you know, that they don't lose a team because of it. Mm-hmm. Nobody so. seems to be in panic mode. Nobody seems to care. Like I said, they tested. They talked to Fernandez afterwards, and he was just like, "Yeah, I mean, I just." waiting to see what color my leathers are going to be next year. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no drama, no panic. Everything's kind of, I think there were, it's not like this was a snap decision. This must've been coming for a while. We saw that on social media a couple of days ago that Razlan was like, thanks everybody. I'm moving on to the next chapter of my life. So anyway, coolest name in motorsports. Razlan. Yeah. Yeah. Good name. Uh, All right. So Jay, let's talk about, um, let's talk about silly season. What has happened? Because the provisional 2024 entry list is out for all the classes. Unfortunately for you folks in America, there's only one one U.S. rider that's in the whole freaking MotoGP. The good news is it's Joe Roberts. Yeah. And he's on the OnlyFans American Racing Team on a Calix chassis next year. That's actually wouldn't have been great news a year ago. But honestly, with the way that Marco Ramirez has performed, Jason, as of late, I would say that it's fantastic. Well, yeah, but what's changed? That's the thing. Has there been any change? Is this Marcos Ramirez, man, that kid stepped up and is is ripping. I mean, he's podium contention in the last three or four rounds. I know it was controversial getting rid of SDK. Even more controversial, it sounded like getting rid of Skinner, who was in a two-year deal that didn't even get to the you know last few races before they were announcing that he, he was going to be gone next year. Um, talking with, with uh, Stevie a little bit, English, he... Yeah, I think he. I don't think it's big, like urgent news that nobody can know. But I think Skinner's going to like a CIV Moto Two or something next year. That's um, good. So they they plugged him in somewhere over there to maybe continue the growth on a Moto Two bike. So we'll get Stevie on in the next couple weeks for sure on the podcast, talking World Superbike and the stuff that he knows uh, within paddocks over there. But um, yeah. By the way, expect to see SDK back here in the states for next year. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. That he's mm-hmm. coming back, and I saw. On his Instagram, he was like, basically, so so long to the Grand Prix paddock, you know. And mm-hmm. if that's if he ends up back here, great. Um, but that all said, that all said, Greg, um, the silly season stuff that that in MotoGP really just boiled down at the end to a couple of you know two or three seats that obviously we knew about Mark Marquez going to Grassini a long time ago. 
And it was at the beginning of the year, Greg, where I was literally saying, how is a guy like DiGiantonio keeping a job? And the last five rounds, six rounds, last half of the season, it has been so nice to see that kid mature on that bike. And we'll get into it in here in a little bit. Obviously, he's going to Mooney because Marini goes off to HRC, which, wow, what a what what it would have been like to be a fly on the wall of some of the negotiations yeah. and the contacts and thoughts and ideas that were going through all those people's minds when they were towards the end of the year, especially a kid like DiGiantonio who goes off and wins at Doha without having a signed contract and then being told by Mooney that we had no interest in, we have no interest in DiGiantonio. And then, you know, a week well, later, there's, signed, there's more so. to that. There's more to that story. So I'm sure as, there is, but yeah, I'm saying, as we, as we found out more to that story for sure, um, but we're, why don't we go through yeah. the list, Jay? So let, let's, let's start yeah. with the number one plate. Bagnaya doesn't change, stays yeah. on Ducati Lenovo. Number five, Johan Zarco goes to Castrol Honda from Ducati. Yeah. LCR. Yeah. LCR. Okay. Just quick thoughts. Uh, you know, if you want to interject on any of this stuff, we kind of already talked about Zarco, mm-hmm. uh, Luca Marini, to the Repsol Honda team. Let's talk about that for a little bit. So what, what came out in some interviews about uh, from the test yesterday, I was watching the, the test on Tuesday. They had people in and out of the booth. Uh, Jack Appleyard, I think is his name, Applegate, Appleyard, whatever. He was down on pit lane. He was talking to some people. So basically when Marini found out that this is according to, um, Who's the team principal over there, dude? Lucio. No, 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 no. Uh, no. Of of HR of HRC of Repsol. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Poog. Poog, yeah. So when if when it was announced that Marquez was leaving, it was Marini who reached out to them. Interesting. Yeah, and I thought that was really really interesting, and I think that Luca Marini has kind of said it that look, I want to be on a factory team. I want to be a lead developer. Everybody talks about actually how heads, how like smart Marini is. Uh, it was already said that his feedback initially like was was really good. Uh, Pooh ad- admitted, you know, hey, having him on a Ducati and having him as technical as he is is going to help our team. So that's Marini. So time will tell. Obviously, as we get down, we'll talk a little bit more. Maverick Vinales, Aprilia stays. Fabio Quattararo, Monster Energy, Yamaha stays. Franco Morbidelli on Prima Premac Ducati. Yeah. yeah. Didn't do great in the test, okay? Like in terms of like a lap time. I mean, everybody was like really close, but he's extremely happy to be back on the Ducati, um, or on a Ducati, and I think that that's great. What are your he thoughts ended up, about? He ended up under a second off, and I think he's the one that gets the least amount of fanfare and hype about his move. I mean, mm-hmm. he goes over to Pramac, and it's kind of like it was almost like just nobody really cares, you know? Like when you look at like the Marini move. And you look at the Mark Marquez move. That's what everybody was focusing on. I think at the test, Dizia getting that shot is a is a. I think Dizia getting the shot with Mooney is more. That kid's going to generate. Is his fan base is going to grow twice as big as it is right now? I think over the next year, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to root for that guy. I mean, Greg, the way I look at things is is funny because I go, "What if you think about all the all the things that it took to get Dizia to go to that ride?" Had he been as good as he was at the beginning of the, at the end of the years, if he would have been as good at the end uh, beginning of the year as he was at the end, the whole dynamics of Grassini could have been changing around. We just don't know. Like 
how would they have been able to get rid of a kid like DeGiantonio if he was doing as well as he is? And that wouldn't have opened up that spot for Mark Mark Marquez to jump in. There's no I question. Mean, and even did so even did you said Jason? Even he said, "Look, I, I needed a you know he switched crew chiefs yeah. to to the guy who won Mir a championship in 2020, Carchetti." Okay, that's right. So Digi Antonio basically said a couple of weeks ago, like, "Hey, my first year was kind of like a wash. It wasn't. Right. We did. I didn't gel. He didn't say this, but if you read between the lines, he didn't really gel well with his crew chief, or whatever. Then he gets Carchetti. Carchetti comes in and is like, "We're going to do A, B, C, and D." And when when Digi Antonio won the race, post race, both of them, his crew chief and himself, said it was paint by numbers. I was yeah. told go out and do this, get into second place, follow him around." And we're going to give you the sign on the dashboard that basically indicates to you there's five to go. Get after it. Yeah. And that's when they said map, you know, fuel map number eight. Eight. And the commentators went berserk because it was like, oh, that's team orders. And it turns out that Digi Antonio said, yeah, we did that on purpose just to screw with you guys. I love it. I love that bit. I absolutely love the bit that they did something to screw with the commentator being a commentator. So, um, you know, but but. But Gigi Antonio at the time, a couple of weeks before he had this ride, was like, dude, this is when he was just podiumed right before he even got like a ride. He's like, you know, like I, I needed time. I needed yeah. time. And he goes, this is basically my first year. And what really sealed it, though, Jay, was that I don't know if you saw that Paolo Chibati came out in an interview after Gigi Antonio won and yeah. basically said this was after um, uh, Uccio, who is like, the, you know, Valentino yeah. Rossi's best friend and team manager spoke out of turn apparently and yeah. said we're not interested in DJ Antonio we're interested in a young rider okay and apparently as we know now that mm, Valentino wasn't ex- extremely on board with that idea mm-hmm. because he showed up to the race and blah 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 and then DJ Antonio signed but Paolo Chibati came out and said in no uncertain terms it is an absolute tragedy if DJ Antonio who can win a MotoGP race doesn't get a ride oh yeah and it was it was I, I mean it was directed right in the in the line of Mooney, and and I think that you know someone asked him well if he doesn't get a ride if they if Mooney hires his kid and he said we will have something for DG Antonio next year no matter what yeah. and the only thing they really had was wild card rides at that point right yeah no and I mean when you look at DG Antonio's speed at the end of the year uh. it looks so easy it looked like of all the riders of Bagnaya Martin all of them. It just looked easy for him. Like yeah. they have, he has found a setting. I mean, again, yesterday he was quick in the test right off the bat. So they probably just plugged in the stuff that he knows. He was 0.4 off of, of Vinales, who he always knows goes, who's just a trip when it comes to testing. And then goes racing. <laughs> I, but, turbo, I turboed him, by the way. I picked that, him up and turboed him. That's funny. Well, so anyway, so I mean, look, so I think the big, the big news is, is that, you know, I thought it was pretty impressive that Marini did as well as he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Honda, we haven't talked about the races yet, but but no. but but the thing that you got to talk about, I mean, everything about Mark Marquez's stuff. All right, well, let his, me get through the let me get through this list. All right, so yeah, get through your list. All Go right, ahead. so Bastianini stays. Raul Fernandez uh, again. This is the 2024 list, so it's listed as the Aprilia Racing Independent yeah. Team, no sponsor. Yeah. Stays Nakagami LCR stays. Pedro Acosta, that's a deal to talk about here. Yes. Gas Gas Factory Racing, like he's in. Brad Binder stays. Joan Mir stays at Honda. Augusto Fernandez at Gas Gas stays. Alicia Spargaro stays. Alex Rins, your boy, going oh boy. to the Yamaha team. Jack yeah. Miller, 
still on the list, stays at KTM. DG Antonio, the name of the team is going to be uh, Pertamina Enduro. Pertamina Enduro VR46 MotoGP team. Interesting. So it's DG Antonio, yeah. So they, the Mooney thing's gone. Um, so he teams with Bedzecki, who stays. Alex Marquez stays. Miguel Oliveira stays at Aprilia. Jorge <laughs> Martin stays at Prima Pramac Racing. And Mark Marquez to Grassini Racing. So really, the two talking points we had left in that list, I think, are the Pedro Acosta thing. He'll be the only rookie, uh, and then and then the Mark Marquez thing. Who Mark went P one with about an hour and a half left in the day, ended up P four, had a good test, didn't throw the thing on the ground, didn't do a Nicky Hayden amount of laps, but still did, you know, close to fifty laps. But he looked fine, Jay. Mm-hmm. But Mark Marquez got cleaned out Sunday's race, and his his feet were probably one inch away from asphalt, and he ended up digging his feet after a big high side into this into the gravel. And I thought for sure that he broke an ankle or something. Oh, he hit so Greg, hard. It's so funny you say that because I said the exact same thing. Simon came over to the house to watch MotoGP on Sunday, and uh, and we're watching it. And when that happened. That that when I said to the I said to Simon, I said, watch his ankles when he goes into the gravel. Oh. And when they replayed it, it was like, you know, I'm pretty sensitive to that because of my ankles and what I've done to them, unfortunately. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy, like devastating I, to I be thought, able to, yeah. to know I that he, he could was ride on Monday. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you when and we'll talk about the races here in a second, um, for sure, because the Martin Marquez incident was interesting. The Marquez Bedzecki thing was really interesting to me mm. um uh but but regardless the when we start talking about the test again like we've, we've we've kind of been talking about that right now his livery and all that stuff just looks so good like you marquez yeah it did look really good it looked unreal like uh-huh. and 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 i was on a call last night with with the boys and, and we were talking about how much we love all the moto gp winter livery stuff you know at, at that place and did you see like how KTM, did you see how they they um, they kind of tried to, what's the word I'm looking for, hide the fact that they were doing some aero changes by the paint job they did on the bike? Did you see yeah, the, yeah, you see you that see all the time. If, if, yeah. if you're in the auto Press. world, you see yes. spy shots all the time yeah. of right. that camouflaged, you know. Camouflage, of, that's what I was looking for, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I it was really that. interesting, yeah. I like the dual exhaust on the Yamaha look good. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of things that went on in the test that, uh, you know, and, and the problem is, is like guys like Marquez, Renz, they can't really come right out and say what they want to say because they've been contracted. But I watched Greg from the time Marquez got to his truck, went up the stairs, changed, came down the stairs, the, the fanfare out in front of the garage before he got on the bike the first time, all the stuff. And then he went out and did a solid eight laps or something. He came in. And, uh, you know, blew the social media world up with with his, like, he literally puts his helmet and his gloves into his little spot, turns to his crew chief, and you just couldn't, you could just see how happy he was. Like, he's like, holy, you know, like, holy shit, like, now I get it, you know? Um, that was a that was a piece that I think everybody is focusing on right now, just how happy he looked. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you look at Renz. Renz has already come out this morning and said that, he can't get into it, but there's some definite changes between the Yamaha and the Honda. You know, immediately he felt amazing on the Yamaha. I think that will be, I think when you look at that team with Quattararo and, and Renz, I, they seem like two really just super cool guys. If they can get on it and work hard together towards getting that motorcycle better, 
I can see them making a, a pretty nice step, especially with the concessions going into the into 24. So we'll see. The big thing for Yamaha was they were working on aero. The engine is apparently a step. So Quartararo said like, yeah, it's a little better. Like it's not, it's nothing. But according to Yamaha, they said it's just a first step. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done over the winter in terms of 2024 for some of the manufacturers heading into Sepang. But obviously with concessions and Honda and Yamaha being in those concession, the window that they're in, it's not like all hands on deck. We have to make a decision about this motor like they have in the last couple of years. So there's going to be a little bit of wiggle room there. And I, and I do think, look, look, it's it's very odd to say this, Jay. The whole engine restriction thing was put in place to try to save money. But what basically, you know, Gigi Delinia basically looked at the rules, looked at whatever, and figured it out the best. And he's costing now these manufacturers a lot more money because of aero, because of all these updates. Now you have these wings on the back of the tail section that are blocking cameras. And it's 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 pretty nuts. I like the fact that there's only one arrow update a year now when kind of we thought they were, might try to get rid of it. But the whole arrow thing is a little out of control. They try to control it with electronics. They try to control it with engine allocation. But racing just costs money, and that's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get away from it. And, you know, this year especially, the squatting devices on the exit of corners are just so incredible to watch and how that bike's digging in and trying to get grip and, and, uh, traction. It's really cool to watch that stuff. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's great to see how far along, I think this is the coolest part about it. Like we always hear these, these, these comparisons of what F1 has done. And, and you and I, you know, you know what I think of F1, I mean, you had, I think I saw a stat where like Verstappen won 19 of the 22 races this year. And, you know, like I said, we didn't have a, <laughs> we didn't have a back-to-back winner in Grand Prix this year um at all so when you think about that it's like it's pretty cool that so many different uh what how many different brands did we had win this year we had four different brands win because the ktm won honda won at at uh coda don't forget with yeah, rins rins aprilia won with a yeah, it's the first time since won. like oh three i think it's oh three that yamaha yeah. didn't win a race so yamaha is the only one that didn't win of course, with gas, gas, which is basically obviously it's KTM. So it's KTM. It's listed yeah, it's KTM. KTM. Yeah, so yeah. when you so when you look at it, you go like, well, like there's so much cool stuff, and with all the advancements of things that are happening, it's really cool to see that other manu- there's there's more than one manufacturer winning in a series. Um, we're getting multiple winners, multiple people on the podiums. Um, MotoGP is in a good spot. Greg, I think that what we should do is just kind of scan because you didn't, I didn't talk about the last three, you know, last two rounds before this one, but both at Sepang and Qatar, we had really cool winners. I thought Anea Bastianini breaking out and winning at a time where it looked like, like he was going to get replaced by Martin. It almost looked like, and he comes out and does the business at Sepang and wins that race. And again, Alex Marquez, was really strong throughout the course of the year. He ended up second there uh, with Bagdaya third. Martina ended up fourth at that one. I'm doing this all based off of just memories because when I was watching those races, you watched the sprint race the day before. Martin really has found a niche with the sprint races, hasn't he? I think he won seven or eight of them this year. Mm-hmm. So he was strong again at Sepang. Uh, didn't quite get the start, kind of fell back early. It was a pretty processional, boring race, but I thought for Bastianini it was great. Then we rolled off to Doha under the lights and – I think that that race in and of itself, you, everything, nothing really shocks us anymore. And Digi Antonio kind of stalking on the back of Bagnaya for those, 
you know, lapse until they got the message that, hey, it's time to go. I think what's even more impressive or what's even more incredible is you talked just now about about Arrow, right? We saw Bagnaya almost run in the back of DeGi Antonio at the end of the straightaway at, uh, at Doha. We saw a similar situation this weekend when Martin almost ran into the back of, of Bagnaya. And I think, you know, the first thing I thought about was everybody talking about how the Arrow draws and sucks you into it and all this. Am I missing something that as a rider, I should know that stuff to not make that mistake? I think it comes down to this. If you look at the actual situation itself, okay, Bagnaya gets out and he's leading, 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 leading. And then he gets passed. And the first time he tries to fight back, it's off the back straightaway. Front straightaway at Doha, yeah. Sorry, front straightaway at Doha. I think think it catches them off guard how much he got sucked in. Yeah. And because, like, if you think about the percentage of – there's two things going on. There's one, getting sucked into the draft. Yeah. Increasing your speed. But the second bit is, is that all that arrow, having come from, you know, an aeronautical – you know, I went to an aeronautical school. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? I know a lot of aeronautical engineers in my life. Every time I see a wing, all I keep thinking about is turbulence on the back of that bike. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things, Jay, is that you're in a full tuck, you go down a straightaway, and you sit up, and it's a huge air brake, right? It's not just shutting off the throttle. It's not just grabbing the brake, but you're using your body. That's why like a bigger guy like Marco Simoncelli, myself, you – I think it's part of the reason why we can be a little bit more efficient on the brakes, even though we carry more weight into the corner than a guy like Danny Pedroza, right? Uh-huh. A small guy. Air, that air brake is massive because think about the percentage of friction on the ground versus the amount of horsepower it takes just to get through the atmosphere. Every right. cyclist knows, okay, how much more energy it takes to get out front and take a pull than it does in the draft. So I think part of the problem that I was thinking about was not only the fact that you're getting sucked in, you got a little bit more K's, a little bit more mile an hour, but the fact that when you sit up, you don't have the air brake as well. Mm-hmm. And so now you're at your maximum braking and you're going like, uh Oh, I'm not slowing down. And then, so it's, it's, it's like two or three things that are all happening at one time. And I think for Pecco, it kind of caught him out because he hadn't been behind anybody the whole race. Yeah, it, it caught Martin out too. I mean, he actually hit the back of Bagnaya, which is insane. I mean, can you mm-hmm. imagine if they would have both gone skittling? I mean, ultimately, ultimately the mistakes that were made by Martin late um, was he's just like, this is what I was talking about earlier though. His speed, Martin's speed is, um, it's apparent. It's very uh, aggressive. Bagnaya's speed looks simple. And Digi Antonio is somewhere in between there. Like, He's got this incredible amount of speed, but he makes it look even easier than Bagnaya. Like it doesn't even look like Digi Antonio is trying. And if he could stay on that path and then he has the mentorship now with Rossi, I think Digi Antonio is going to be a real problem next year for some of these guys. I know everybody's writing it already that Marquez is going to win everything. But I think that I think that the Marquez Martin battles are going to be really interesting at the front. Two guys that are really aggressive. You're going to see a few races next year where those two guys screw each other and up where somebody else is going to be there to pick up the pieces, mm-hmm. I feel. Because um, when even when you watch the races this weekend from Valencia, on Saturday during the sprint race, Martin just did what he does. He bowled his way up to the front. He got there. He controlled the pace. He led it. He wins it. Bagnaya, very calculated, realized the championship couldn't be won on that day, but could be lost, ends up fifth to put himself in a position for Sunday where he made things easier for himself on Sunday. 
by finishing fifth in the sprint race. All he had to do was finish top five the next day as well. But the guy that was on the move, like if you watch Digi Antonio, he sat behind Bagnaya and he wasn't going to do anything crazy. He was just going to like... He wanted to, though. There was like a respect level there, wasn't there, on Saturday. And then it was the same on Sunday. Like, he already knows that Bagnaya's won the championship. He knows Martin's out. Um, But maybe. I mean, who's to say? Um, The kid used his head. He wanted that other ride on a Ducati. It's not going to look good if you take out the world champion, you know? I think that's the whole point of this thing. You yeah. know, it, it, yeah. there are more than one element. There's not not just the fact that you have speed or you can win a race. Uh-huh. It was the fact that DJ Antonio several times over the course of that last couple of weeks of racing, when he was showing this tremendous speed, also showed tremendous respect to the to two front runners. And he, he said really on did. multiple occasions, I was not going to do anything risky to, to affect this championship. And I think that that goes a long way with Ducati, you know, in general. So I'm watching the race and Martin passes Vinales and Vinales kind of stuffs Martin back after Vinales has seen that Martin has gone off the track. And I kind of said something during the race. Simon was sitting next to me because Martin goes by him and kind of runs a little wide. Vinales stuffs it back underneath him. And I, I think as a, as a rider, you, you almost, when you get down to those last couple of rounds, even if you're on a different manufacturer, there's still a respect level that you have to hold for the guys that are running for the championship. And while I don't want them to just like pull right over, um, I think that there's like a respect thing there where you go like, okay, Martin's running for the championship. He's trying to win this race. I saw him run off the track. I know he's got pace on me. Um, but you don't know all the inner workings of personalities within the pack. You don't know if, what Vinales actually thinks of Martin or any of that stuff. I think what Digia showed was a lot of constraint in the fact that it was super important for him to win. So he went out and did that at Doha. And at Valencia, it was super important for him to show that he could be fast anywhere. Because up until this point, Digia to me has only really shown that he could be fast at the tracks that are long and flowy and fast. You think about he was okay at India. He did good at Sepang. I mean, he was okay at Sepang. Did great at Doha. Uh, and so when you look at it, this is a really technical track is Valencia. Super technical. Um, and he showed that now, okay, he could ride kind of anywhere, you know, and have you um, ridden Valencia? I have, I rode Valencia a a bunch of years ago, but, um, you know, when you look at Valencia and you think of all the great tracks that Spain has, Valencia is great. It's all repaved too. So, um, I definitely want to get, yeah, but it's so technical, like of the tracks they have in Spain, Valencia is not even close to the top of my list. Like, no, when you look at, when you look at Catalonia or you look at Aragon, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerez, there's some Valencia, Valencia of the four. Cause I've ridden, I haven't ridden Barcelona, um, yet. So going to do that, but that's but, my uh, favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't ridden that one. So I mean, I've my ridden, favorite in Spain, I should say. Yeah. I've ridden four tracks in Spain. Um, I rode Albacete also back. In oh Bordeaux. yeah. Albacete. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the Albacete, Valencia, Aragon, Jerez. And while I like Valencia, it's, it's Aragon. I still love Aragon more. Um, and Jerez was incredible. Mm. So I would definitely put Valencia behind those two. Um, I know. Listen, I know you and I know tracks. Mm-hmm. Valencia, or sorry, Catalonia doesn't have any corners that would be your favorite kind. You like Mid-Ohio. You like uh, Sears Point. You know, the, the ups and downs. It doesn't have those corners. Mm-hmm. But it only has one 
has two corners that link together that are a pain in the ass. The rest yeah. of them are so much fun. They're flowy and nice. They're I'm, flowy. I'm, Coming out of the front to, straightaway is freaking that like looks good. It's so much fun because you're ripping, and then it's kind of a downhill run, so you get like super fast top speeds, and then you know you got to get the bike slowed through some messes. It's 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 like I think you would really like it. It wouldn't. It's not a like what part of the reason why you love Phillip Island is one of your favorite tracks in the world, if not your favorite track in the world, mm-hmm. is because it's got a lot of elements that that has mid Ohio on that list and has, you know, uh, road Atlanta and Sears point that kind of up and down stuff that you like so much. I, I, you know, yeah. When you start looking at racetracks, Phillip Island is definitely, I I love Phillip Island for all the things that our sports about. It's our sports known for speed and it's known for, it's known for lean angle and, and man, there are just some corners there at Phillip Island that are just so incredibly good. Like the, the whole first quarter of that track until you get to like, um the hairpin like stoner corner turn one and, and all that great then you got like the hay shed and lukey heights amazing and the last corner on the front straightaway there at phillip island but greg i'm going to go to aragon again this next year um planning a trip to aragon right now actually and um top five corners in the world for me the last turn at aragon is just so epic really? and uh yeah really really good so uh looking forward to that i know we got off on a tangent here but yeah but you know when you when we go back, the, the the whole conversation piece of our our podcast has been around MotoGP, and I think that uh, when you when you look at where it is right now, it looks healthy, it looks strong, it looks great, and I think that it's only going to get better next year, just because of the stories that we've talked about. Acosta looked amazing on that bike right off the bat yesterday. Looked happy. He he was literally finishing out of GR and Moto Two, wasn't he? He did not give a shit about those races. <laughs> no, he didn't. After he won the championship, it nope. didn't appear. Yeah. So, real quick, Greg, if we look at that, when we start looking at Moto Two going into 2024, mm-hmm. this Aldegar kid is finally showing what I thought he was going to be when he was 16. Listen, and I he have got those to, wild I have to give you credit, rides. Jay. I have to give yeah. you credit. Literally from day one, when he got to Moto Two, yeah. you were just like Aldegar, Aldegar, Aldegar. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the what kid you see is now. Like, the kid is he's pretty, pretty impressive. And the last few rounds of the year, nobody could even get near him. Nobody could touch him. I think the storylines going into next year are going to be who's going to be able to try to contain that guy. I think his biggest threat is going to come from the other side of the garage with Lopez. Arbelino, don't know what happened to him last half of the year. He just went non-existent. Will Kinnett finally break through? And then I know Anshu is coming up from Moto3. So he's going to be on a Moto2 bike. Uh, Joe, it's going to be interesting to see how Joe does next Dude, year. It seems like Joe made American a step racing. the last kind of sixth of the season, uh, maybe. I just want I mean? to see Joe more consistently Consistent, up in yeah. those top five. Yeah. Up. That's where he belongs. I mean, the guy is riding amazing right now. He's doing a great job. Um, He's but, magic at Doha, though. That's that's the thing. He needs to be magic at really a couple more thing. tracks. Yeah, I just think that just to make a real run at anything, the consistency has to get just increased a little bit there. So Moto2 is going to be interesting. Obviously, we didn't talk about the Moto3 stuff at all, um, especially after Doha. I've never been a Masia fan myself, never really been, I, you know, just the stuff I see how he rides. The stuff he did at Doha to me is kind of t- like typical of what I'd expect from somebody like him. Uh, to go underneath Sasaki once in that particular corner at Doha, the tight left, which I believe is like turn five or six, uh, another track that I've ridden a bunch. You get away with it once and go, okay, yeah, you stood the poor guy up and you made a mistake. And But to then to do it again, 
um, I thought was was a little bit classless. And the fact that his teammate just basically got in front of Sasaki and stopped too, I thought was a bit bad. But yeah. I'm going to tell you all that. And I'm going to round about this and say the thing I don't like, Greg, is there's a reason why Sasaki has finished second in so many Grand Prix this year. I know he just won this last weekend. But there's a reason why he has finished second in so many. It's because his racecraft, in my opinion, is poor. Um, when you're in a risk, when you're in a situation like he was in in Doha, you can't keep opening the door and keep letting people jam themselves underneath you and keep exposing yourself to being compromised by what others do. So, in one sense, while I wasn't stoked with Masia and some of the stuff he's done, he was a deserving champion this year. That guy was always at the front all season long. He's, he's paid his dues in that class and done a really nice job before he goes to Moto2. And I think that Sasaki, even though he wasn't happy with Masia and stuff at Doha, a race, a championship isn't one in one weekend, is it, Greg? No. It's, it's one over the course of a year. And for me, as, as critical as I would have been to Masia and his team um, for kind of the antics they pulled at Doha, um, I don't think Sasaki did a very good job of defending the positions that he was getting anyways during the races. And um, hopefully he can learn from that and be odds on favorite next year. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk more about this over the course of the season or the, mm-hmm. this off season, you know, cause we're still what four or five weeks away from Supercross, So we're going to, we're going to be filling some time here with wow. some guests and things. I, the fact that you just said that, I, I mean, that's how deep we went in MotoGP, Jay. But I can't believe, I can't believe we're literally, what it's it's like four weeks away to A one, right? I mean uh, five see. weeks. That's insane. All right, so next so week is the wild. six. So one, two, three, four. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's five it's like five and a half weeks. That's so crazy. Right, because I would think about it. Think, yeah. yeah, so January one's like on a Monday. So the first supercross is probably gonna be on the sixth. Christmas is going to be here like <laughs> so less, quickly. So twenty ninth today and yeah. It's wild. It's wild, but Anyways, I think yeah. I think for you know, for kind of end the note on the MotoGP stuff, I'm excited where it's going. It had a deserving champion this year. Look, if I was Dorna J, I would literally yeah. buy MotoGP ads, like put together some sexy thing and run them during F1 because, like F1 is just driven not by racing; it's just driven by personalities, by access, Correct. by the by the show. And look, if you're an F1 fan, I I love it. Congratulations, that's great. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You it's know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's of, great that you're of. into racing. <laughs> that you're into Formula One. You know, yeah. like, but if you like racing and you like to watch other people excel and all this kind of stuff, yeah, Mark Marquez might you know put his finger in the dike and plug the hole and and end up having a dominant season. But on the other hand, Jay, you know, I just. The one thing that was really interesting to me are the people that didn't change on a Ducati. A lot of the riders got on the 2023 bike, you mm-hmm. know, and and all the riders that were on the 2022 bike were like, holy crap, this bike is significantly different than what we were on. Right. The motor is right. noticeably quicker. The arrow is noticeably different. And Marquez is going to be on the 2023 while Bagnaia is on the 2024. Right. So, you know, look, the 2022. Ever, let me, one, I, was, I have a question for you. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this this morning before the podcast. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a good question. That's great. Do you ever see Marquez being a factory Ducati rider? No. No, either do I. I don't either because I think this is a somewhat of a strategic plan. Do you ever – do you see him – do you ever see him – do you ever see – you know how the I, – I just read something this morning and it made me think of this too. Like um, Deshaun Jackson, who played for the Eagles forever, is going back and retiring as an Eagle. Do you ever see Marquez retiring as a Honda rider? As a Honda rider? 
Yeah. yeah. Do you ever see him like retiring as like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean like the history, like it looks like it's been a pretty amicable split. Like, I'm not going to say that it's, it, there's probably not some stuff in the background. Like, it's going to be hard for each one of those parties to come out and ship. No, each Jay, other. Jay, Jay, it's so. Even, like, so Alberto Pouge was interviewed and he's like, you know, the guy was like, so you're looking at time. This is when Mark was at the top of timesheets yesterday. Uh, yep. And he's like, well, what do you expect? You yeah. know, like, is anybody surprised at this whole thing? No, there were no bad words be. about it. It was all positive. Oh. Yep. Mark has come out many times and said, I'm not saying this is my last run at Honda. Yep. Maybe this whole thing about Marquez going to Ducati for a year, maybe two, and going back to Repsol while they get, you know, Honda, while they get their shit together. I see it's it's like uh, uh, Robert Kraft gave Tom Brady a contract and he came out at the first right. game of the year in a jersey. He's going to retire a Patriot. Yeah, that's okay. right. All right. I, they should have signed, signed him you know, for the year. Dude, you are not kidding. But anyway... <laughs> Just stick yeah. with Zappy, for God's sakes. Just stick with. Anyway, we're G-dub, not enough. You not... could play quarterback right now for that uh, team, dude. No kidding, and I do Anyways. right from right from the chair, yeah. chair. Um, But no, the point is, is that even Mark had come out and said yesterday or the day before that people are never going to associate me with Ducati. I'm always going to be associated with Honda. That's right. You know what I mean? And 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 That's now right. you know you kind of look at that same situation, Johnny Ray. When you think when you hear the word Johnny Ray, do you think green now or do you still think red? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a mixed so bag harsh. for me, right? Yeah. And now he's blue, and you're like, mm, you know, like I I don't think I'm ever going to associate Johnny Ray with Yamaha. I, I watch his it's videos. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's weird. Even even he keeps saying, "Oh, it's weird being in blue, right?" Because he got a couple guys over there. But um, I, I think it's just kind of one of those things that Mark's always going to be a Honda guy. He won all those championships, even if he wins a championship next year for Ducati. You know, which, which, you know, if you're Ducati right now, it's a very, very interesting situation because here you have one of the greatest riders of all time. He, Marquez can definitely, in my opinion, be put in the category of like in the conversation with Valentino. He's not as good, but you know what I mean? Listen to you. (laughs) No, but what I'm saying is, is like you have, you have this guy who's still at the top of his game. Yeah. I mean, it was, look, he did one lap, two laps. He was on a fresh set of tires, but I watched the lap that he went up to P1. And it was, it didn't, I mean, the bike doesn't look, look great. Didn't look hard though, did it? Didn't look hard, but the bike yeah. was definitely moving around. So they got some changes, but look, Martin wins the world championship. Ducati says our 2023 won the world championship. Okay. It's a factory bike. He's on the same level of equipment. It's a different sponsor. It's a different team. There's a ton of red shirts in that paddock. I understand, but you put Mark Marquez on a one-year-old motorcycle and he goes out and beats how many? 2024s are there going to be out there like three or four right? four three or four yeah and he does that now you have a bit of a pr thing going on well look by the way i'm a little disappointed that we we haven't updated david tardazzi's heart rate at, during our podcast <laughs> holy christ is that what it's come to does anybody really give a flying shit about david tardazzi's friggin- uh, listen i love him by oh, the way dude. he is a he is such a great dude and i've known him for as long as i've <laughs> known Paolo. He's not. okay no. but but the guy's heart rate never gets over like 110 beats for like we Ooh. got it more more than anything who gives a shit <laughs> yeah I get you oh my god they kept on showing it and I'm like this is it's just so pathetic <laughs> anyways sorry that was my run rant all right let's I, have go a, to, I had a few of them let's go but, let's go yeah. over to GP fantasy real quick right Did I let's do that? it all right so so here's the thing season's over yeah here's the controversy at the top of the leaderboard we have According to MotoGP Fantasy listing, we have King Fisher in the number one spot. 
with 3,163.00 points, tied with Moto Ranch oh, 46. No way. Dude, how freaking crazy. Okay. No way. Now, I have had a look at the rules for this fantasy league because MotoGP, <laughs> because I, wow, yeah, I didn't see that. 3,163.0. I'm reading that right. Wow. Am I not? Am I reading yes, that? Yes, right? you are reading it right. All right. Now, according to the rules of this deal, <laughs> the tiebreaker is average points. So, Jason, look at Kingfisher. Look at Motor Ranch 46. Who has a higher average points? Kingfisher by, like, not, yeah, but how does that work? Okay, so that's how it works. Now, here's the tiebreaker on that. The tiebreaker on that is whoever signed up for MotoGP.com first, like literally in their lifetime. Okay, so those are the rules. I oh, have Moto Ranch. Sorry, Moto Ranch has more. Moto Ranch has more. The better average has the better average. So okay? then they go based off of who signed up first, right? So so there is no so. Okay, look, this is what I'm saying, Kingfisher. If you're listening, I'm sorry to say this. According oh, no. to what I see here, Moto Ranch 46 <laughs> is the is the champion of the league. Okay, all right, because all right. they've tied on points, and the tiebreaker is average points. Moto Ranch 46 has 159.53. Kingfisher has 157.55. Even though it says Kingfisher's in the number one spot and Moto Ranch 46 is in the number two <laughs> spot, as of this moment, according All to right. the rules of this fantasy league, because they do give away prizes you know, in, uh, worldwide, that Moto Ranch would... Now, I do have an email out to the person who runs all this stuff. I know the person who runs the whole MotoGP fantasy, Okay. And I have an email out to him asking him to double check to make sure that this is the case. So at this point, we can't. Right, I, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no winner at this point. Okay. No, we gotta. What we gotta do, G Dub, is we we have to do something for both our guys here. I, that's the only way I know how to do things. We right, gotta I'm figure gonna call, out. Listen, I'm gonna call. What we gotta ride. do the tire yeah. thing is no big deal. Okay. We we, we know the tire that thing's Q, no big deal. Right. Yes. First and second are getting Q fives. So Correct. I'm gonna reach out to Arai and I'm yep. gonna see if we can award. You know what I mean? Two helmets. A couple helmets or something. Have, we'll figure have, it out. Ha, right? So AMA. Yeah, we can't do this to our boys. I know. AMA girls. Someday 91 in third place. We that That's a lock. We got that bit. Okay. Well, you know what we could do is we could just eliminate Kingfisher and Motor Ranch and just give it to mm-hmm. AMA Someday 91. Just say, sorry, guys, you tied. That's We got to give it to third place. We, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> kidding. Which, no, we, we which also, though, you know what that would do, Jay? <laughs> that would piss everybody off. X Pro Baby Maker. Into fourth place, just out, just off the podium. What that, are you looking at? Oh, X Pro Baby Maker. Bravo! I, I, I that's Damn, the first that's time I've so seen that good. gamer tag. Me too. That is so good. All right, so look, we're gonna call Arai. We're gonna talk to Arai and see if we can get each one of you, Kingfisher, Motor Ranch Forty Six, a helmet. I'm not gonna make any promises. Okay. If we, I, I, yeah, we'll figure if, something. If out we here. can't get that done. Then when I get the official word back from the MotoGP, let me check my email because I, I I sent it two days ago, like when I found out or yesterday. Nothing. That's yet. incredible. I never saw that, Greg. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. So if you go read the rules, everybody, Jesus. it's in there. First is total points. We have a tie. The they don't call it a tie, Jay. They call it a uh, uh, whatever they call it, but it's not tie. The word is not tie, right? It's, okay, but. Motor Ranch forty six has a higher average. He does. What you know? So, I, and I don't know how that works. That's, that, that's, how, that's how that works. That, yeah. How do you have the same points? How do you have the exact same points, but one's got a higher average? That doesn't make like, sense to me. Me either. I guess it does make sense because you could 
Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Anyways, I'm not a math guy either, so there you go. Yeah, I don't know how that. I mean, you would think that it would just be total points divided by the number of rounds, and then that's how, that's what it is. Yeah, all right. But I'm just going to call a ride and, and see if we can. Well, look. Yeah, you do that because that's going to give us. I have a couple thoughts. By this time next week, we'll have an idea of what we're going to do for the person that's going to get to come ride with me. So we'll figure that part out too. Where'd you end up in this whole thing? I ended up 185th wow. with one turbo left because I didn't use all my turbos. Okay. Now, with that said, Jay, Valencia, I was 18th. So I'm pretty proud nice. of actually. Yeah, because yeah. I made some changes. Now, I blew it. So I actually made some changes to Vinales. After Vinales had, had shown a lot of speed on Friday, I traded for him. And I traded Augusto Fernandez because like I only had a million left after doing that. Mm-hmm. So I moved Bender to silver, Augusto Fernandez to was in silver, and then Vinales and Bagnaya, and I turboed Maverick. Got it. I should have turboed Pecco because Pecco would have got. Why would me. you turbo Maverick Vinales? Like, do, what? You know, because I'm a glutton for punishment. Apparently, you and Simon have this this like this thing for Vinales or something, man. Simon's the same. He's got Vinales, and all he does is get you know, all he does is get pissed off at it that he's got Vinales. He's always pissed off every week. But he keeps him. <laughs> Anyways, what are you gonna do? Hey, hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know what I mean? We we gonna do. Where'd you end up? You ended up in the top hundred easy, right? Sixty seventh. There you go. Okay. Pretty good. Hey, for me, G Dub, yeah. that's a that's a win. Yeah, dude, you started the year like two hundred and thirtieth or some crap. Two thirty eight so. is where I was. There you go. And made some big moves like to try to like get my team better. And at the end I ended up with uh not a bad team. I had Martin and Bender as my golds at the final race. I actually swapped out Bender and Bagnaya from silver to gold. I figured Bagnaya is going to follow around and do what it did. And it's exactly what he was doing. Um, and then and everybody ben, just gave it to him. And then everybody kind of like, I mean, how about, how shocking were the two KTMs, honestly? Like Miller leading that race and gone and like having like a two second lead and then he Oof. falls and then Bender. Yeah, he runs. He's Bender's running out the track and then running into people and then, yeah, bad. He ends up he ends up getting on the podium because Digi Antonio and and I don't want to get into this right now, but we're oh gonna have to have God. somebody way smarter than me with this whole tire pressure thing because it seems like it's a shit show, and I'm like zero. What is it? Zero point zero one bar is what Fabio Digi Antonio gets penalized for, so he has to drop a spot. What are, what are we doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. So, nah. again, I know it's racing people, and I should know my shit, but I don't get it, and it pisses me off. So I get it. Um, but, yeah, the fantasy was a blast this year. Thank you, A, for everybody that that was involved in it this year. It was, it was pretty fun. Sorry we ended the year the way we did with a tie up top. So for How our crazy two, is that? yeah, that's, that's pretty nuts. I mean, it's just insane. And again, I don't understand how the average would be different. It doesn't make any sense to me, but for someone else, it does it. I'm sure it has to do with turbos, you know, like the way turbos are used or whatever. But anyway, we're in the situation that we're do you in. Think, is Johnny still doing our, is, is he still doing this? Cause it says JR 65, number one and 80th from Great Britain. You think it's Johnny? I hope so. I think it is because he was doing it, wasn't he? So yeah, I mean, text him. I haven't texted him in a while. But. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did after his test. So he seemed pretty stoked. In Dell's racing team uh, league, by the way, I ended up uh, a solid um, seventh out of ten. Nice. So I feel really good, good about job. that. I'm in the, I'm in the top seventy <laughs> percent. Nice. 
We got to write down where we finished this year because I got to do better next year at all of them. I ended up second in that one. By the way, I do want to say this. So if you look at the MotoGP League for the world, okay, mm-hmm. so there were 12,000, sorry, there were 59,000 people that participated in MotoGP League in the world. I, I, I scrolled down and down and down to find the first person from the United States. Mm hmm. And I'm still scrolling down. I believe they were in this, yeah, 60th position. Champagne Boots Dennis, I believe, is the no first kidding. person from the U.S. If I'm not That's mistaken. wild. But want to send a big shout out to Pantheus Racing from PRT. Yeah. What's who's PRT? I don't know. What country is PRT? I don't know. That's an interesting one. Is it Portugal? No, it could be. I don't know what that is, but. Country code. Hold on, I'm t- I'm googling it right now. Come I ended on. up four thousand two hundred and thirty second. Oh uh, yeah, Portugal. So that's Portugal country code. Ended up uh, winning the world championship with wow. three thousand two hundred ninety four. So our guys, which were let's see, Moto Ranch, uh, Moto Ranch forty six, uh, ended up one hundred seventy eighth in the world. Nice. 59,000. So we had, wow. we had a very strong league. So for anybody who got beaten in our league, don't 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 be too upset. I mean, anybody who finishes at a 59,000 people in the top 200, I think is pretty dang strong. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yep. No, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And we'll get, we'll, Greg and I will make this little situation. I mean, it just has to figure, right? That this is what would <laughs> of happen. Of course. I mean, I mean, why would it be any different than this for us? So like, make sure you tune into next week's podcast to find out yeah. the solution to our <laughs> problem. All right. Yeah. Maybe we just fold the podcast. Say, sorry. Uh, everything got, every, everything's gone. Nobody gets any, nobody you know, gets tires. <laughs> nobody gets helmets. <laughs> nobody gets an exclusive day. Oh. JP 43 training this winter with Jason Pridmore at Chuck Walla Valley Raceway. Or if something could be worked out, maybe maybe you end up moving hey. Jay to a Monday after a race. One or I races. can go somewhere to them. Yeah. It, yeah. Just to, it, it's just going to have to be one of those things where whoever wins, we got to just figure be it flexible, out. So, yeah. And I'm, yeah. And I'm, yeah, be flexible. It's, it's, it's all for something good. We're doing this for fun. So mm-hmm. let's figure it out because it would be a fun day for me to meet one of our uh, – one of our, uh, you know, people that, that listen to our podcast. So, God, Greg, we got nothing. I, it's weird. I got, you know, on the on the rundown, you got next week, and there's just a question mark. I <laughs> well, don't know maybe if we'll next get week Steve. Means- maybe we'll talk to some, you know, talk to some. Maybe. Okay, so yeah. here's my situation. I'm leaving on. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm leaving on Wednesday of next week. I'm not. Okay, good. So, oh, so we can do a podcast Tuesday next week. Okay. So, uh, we do the podcast. Maybe we get maybe we get Big Steve on. Because Ireland's been, he's just been indoors a lot. He's been trying to go out and play golf. His golf course has gone from 18 holes to 14 holes because it's been washed away or it's because it's so wet. So I'm like, man, I don't know about you, GW, but it's been 70, 75 degrees out here in California and pretty uh, solid. We had a little so. bit of a switch, Jay. It's been uh, in the 40s with like 52 nice. degrees. So it, it's gotten a little chilly here, this little unseasonably chilly back east. Uh, when right. I got home from Chile, I think it was like literally the day I got home Thanksgiving, but I'm actually home until Christmas Day. I go up to I Massachusetts, it. fly Christmas Day back on the morning of the 28th. So I'm only gone for like basically a couple of days. That's my last flight of the year. I love it. Yeah. You know, I've got to get one flight in if I want to continue with my status for next year on United. Just like, do you have to go distance or just one flight? I, th- I think it's one flight. I don't know if it's, I got to look into. Dude, maybe you should I'll just... fly from LA to 
uh, Santa Barbara. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking Santa Barbara. I'm like, just fly Santa Barbara to L.A., L.A. back yeah. to Santa Barbara. Yeah. And I was like, no, you should go L.A. to Burbank. <laughs> That'd be great. Go go L.A., Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara back and just, yeah. And be no. done with it. Yeah. See if uh, No, I got I got to figure it out. I got to call them, find out how that works. Um, but so, yeah, so next week I leave and I'll be at Chuck Walla for like 12 days. We got Femwalla okay. coming up out there, oh, which I'm man, stoked on. Oh, man, I that event. Yeah. I can't, I think it's got to be 10, 10 years that I've been doing that now. So mm. I'll be giving two up rides, uh, for donations for that on that day, which would be a lot of fun. We've done that. Like I said, for a bunch of years, hope I still remember how to give two up rides. It's been a while. Look, if you, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in Femwalla, go, go check it out because at Chuck Walla, because it's a women's only track day and there's low testosterone there. It's a great environment for it is. women that want to ride that don't want to be around all the machismo, um, there are a few guys there. Obviously, Jason's there on track, and I'm sure a couple other dudes. But for the most part, it is just a fantastic event to get women together to drag their knee around the racetrack or get close to it. Yeah, so we'll do that on Friday the 8th, I believe it is. Then I got SoCal track days and a member Monday. Mm. And then it rolls right into the CVMA race weekend again. So it's like... Oh, Jeff White will be out there. Okay. Your boy, Jeff White. I think he's got like three or four bikes now. I think he's got three super bikes. So he's styling. <laughs> he bought so, another. He bought a 2023... M1000RR, race ready. He told me that he did it because he wants to get you out there riding with him a bunch. All right, I think we're good here. Um, <laughs> I mean, dude, seriously, find a donut sponsor and come do CVMA. CVMA, the races? Do the races again? Yeah, come do the races on a 1,000 with your brother. Uh, that would be the real battle of the... It's not really the old battle of the bros. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah. That'd be great. Don't you think? We should just do a team battle. Get Eric and Ben Bostrom out there. Right, there you go. Get Tommy I, and Roger. Yeah, there you go. Jeff White and I. I mean, I I got you guys on the odds on. We'll get you the twins. Are... We'll get the twins over here from the UK. Oh, I get Alex and Sam over. They'd, they'd have a blast. <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, we'll just Kyle, figure, out, Kyle, we'll figure out a we'll figure out a handicap. You know what I mean? Kyle, like, Cody, Travis. There I you mean, go. They, in any anyhow, they want to figure that out. Get two of those guys. So they, they and they, let's not forget the the best brother pairing of them all, Simon and Kolb. Yeah, those two would be great together. I almost said, okay, if Kolb, if you're still listening, I almost said Kolb and Jason Pridmore as brothers, but I just I, I couldn't do it, Jay, because you know he'll never stop calling after that. You know the what I mean? Is, the be problem is, dude, is Kolb is full blown back into his little karate shit. So, oh, oh yeah, now he's he's dude, doing crab McGrab back again, or cra- yeah, grab he's grab? at the gym every morning now, like lifting. He's he's got like a strength trainer. Oh boy, and he's doing all that. So like the the Kolb, constant Kolb, threat. The, you the are constant, so good looking. Yeah, well, the constant the constant threat of him wanting to beat me up is. Is there, but he's still riding, so I've got that. Okay, all right. Still have that, so I could kind of lump you into that. Like if you mess with Greg, you know, <laughs> I'm still riding, so I'll you know teach what I mean? you bad habits. Whatever, you know. Actually, you'll never hit forty nines. He's hit him. Damn, Kolb. He has. He's hit him. He's hit the forty nine. Kolb is just next level now, man. He's pretty solid. Pretty solid. I could do forty nines to the drive through at Dunkies. To like the fifteenth corner, dude. That's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to get off the plane in Massachusetts in Boston, halfway between, like after I get out of the city, 
halfway between my mom's house and, and the airport is the donkeys. I'm sure I'll go hit the donkeys, are you? Yeah, I'll get a Krulla <sighs> and a Boston cream. It's great with a hot chocolate. And then it was nice hearing from Nordy the other day. Nordy and and Russ, and Rusty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are our boys. They're off doing hockey. Oh yeah, hockey. Bellator. Bellator got sold. So everybody's that's, waiting to find out what the TV program is going to be. Hoping that Johnny Johnny can stay solid. Johnny there. Norton, our producers, that's one of the, he does Seriously, NHL hockey for the stars, and he does used to do Bellator. So all the years that we've been in TV, like our truck and everything, is so good. Yeah, really, really good. So much fun. So anyway, anyway, all right, everybody, listen. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Holiday season is upon us, so yeah, let's enjoy our uh, our week here, G Dub. We'll get some plans for next week. You figure out the. <laughs> the mess that is fantasy. Yes. And uh, and we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds great. All right, everybody. Have a great week. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Later. Bye.